0: Go
1: ahead, Ray. You, you worthless piece of slime! You ignorant, disgusting blob! Nothing but an unstable short chain molecule. It's the stuff. It's like pure concentrated evil, it's all flowing right to this spot.
0: Material devolution has begun.
1: Welcome to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It's a pleasure to have you here another beautiful Saturday afternoon. How are you doing, Mr. Walter? Doing good, Devin. Doing good. Had a great week. Have some good articles.
0: Doing a little round-robin action. Gonna throw it, come fast and quick at you this
1: week. Indeed. Started. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, there was nothing in the zeitgeist this week that kind of like flung itself into the chasm of our consciousness where we had to talk about this. We've got to talk about this. So we, we still want to do a podcast. You know, we still saw some interesting stuff, but... Nothing where we felt like I wanted to really research it or talk about it for 45 minutes because it just feel like an exercise in futility.
0: You know, there is a lot going on, but a lot of it's just an extension of issues that we've already talked about that are just unresolved. It's like loose ends that just keep snowballing into these places and we just get tired of talking about them. It's just over and over and over again, some facet of the same thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at like our main themes, whether it's like corruption or racism or violence, they're kind of like... giant uh rock that hits your windshield and all these other stories of the spider webs that basically crack from that giant rock and you know these reverberations they keep going we keep talking about these stories like didn't you talk about this last week i mean we can talk about it every week because it keeps spider webbing you know this is a very thematic story so you know you'll probably notice some themes we touch on here but we tried to bring in some random stuff too, keep it interesting keep it fun so uh Why don't we start with the serious and end with the comical? I'll I'll get right into it. Matt, how do you feel about that? I'm doing it. Let's do it. Let's start serious. I like it. I'm very
0: serious all the time.
1: (laughs) You are. You are, my friend. So, first topic of the day, interesting story I came across in USA Today titled Company Hikes Price 5,000% for Drug That Fights Complication of AIDS and Cancer. I'm going to read a small excerpt and then I'm just going to you know, pick your brain, Matt, because I found this to be very interesting. The pharmaceutical industry, we know there's tremendous profits there there's a lot of shady regulation and things going on there so article begins a drug treating a common parasite that attacks people with weakened immune systems increased cost five thousand percent to seven hundred and fifty dollars per pill at a time of heightened attention to the rising cost of prescription drugs doctors who treat patients with aids and cancer are denouncing the new cost to treat a condition that can be life-threatening turing pharmaceuticals of new york raised the price of daraprim from 1350 per pill to $750 per pill last month shortly after purchasing the rights to the drug from Impacts Laboratories Turing has exclusive rights to market Daraprim also known by its chemical name primethamine sorry <laughs> the tough one on the market since 1953 Daraprim fights toxoplasmosis the second most common foodborne disease which can easily infect people whose immune system has been weakened by AIDS, chemotherapy, or even pregnancy, according to the CDC. So I thought this was really interesting here because it kind of highlights this area of pharmaceuticals that people don't know a lot about, which is that how drugs can be marketed and sold is very unique. A drug might be, not be available for generic versions of it for over a decade after its inception. So because of that, corporations are essentially able to monopolize a treatment and set the price at whatever they want. When you pay 20% insurance, that means you're paying $150 a pill. If it's $750 a pill, where before you'd be paying $2 a pill. So, I mean, it was really, really interesting reading about this, and I know it's not that common. Uh, how familiar are you with the pharmaceutical industry, Matt, and this type of behavior? Dallas Flyers Club. That's how familiar you are with it. So,
0: thank you, Matthew McConaughey.
1: Everything I know, I learned from McConaughey. That's right. That's right. All right. All right. Hey, no, um,
0: you know, you always hear about these things happening. Uh, you know, you know they control the prices. I've, I've heard a long time about the generic and the uh, and the brand name versions of drugs, and and, and you even know. I mean, um, it's pretty common that that people will. Uh, be given a choice. Sometimes there is a generic version on the market or there is the brand name and it's significantly less. So we know- It's that, always significant. Yeah, less.
1: always, right? Um, I mean, it's like, do you want the shot of Belvedere Grey Goose or do you want the shot of triple charcoal filter vodka? Well, if you're rich, you're like, well, I want the stuff that tastes better. But if you're poor, you're like, I just want to get drunk.
0: Right. But here's the thing. They're, they're both equally as, as effective. Well, it's both the, get you drunk. Right. Well, exactly. Exactly. And so chemically they're identical but in so in drug form it doesn't matter if it's generic or it has a name on it anyway it it's branding matter. it's like it's buying,
1: buying Kleenex versus a tissue paper right right and so it doesn't matter you know but that brand identity it gives people that type of so you think that it because it says Pfizer on it somebody's like oh this is way better to a degree yes I mean think about it. when you go to like Safeway They'll have like the Kroger brands or whatever, and because they're Albertsons or Ralphs or whatever, they're able to basically make their own brand that they want for like Advil or whatever, and they put it right next to Advil, and it says on their label, compare to Advil. Yeah. So they can show people it's the exact same shit. And people Chemically, people still buy the Advil. It's like, I've been taking Advil. Name Advil. Advil, Advil. Commercials for Advil. Imitation of Advil. I don't want the imitation. I want the original thing. What if they're made in the same laboratory? What if this is a different label? I'll pay more for the one with the label. Yeah, it's seem human nature. You know, shows you the effect of Two a brand and marketing one that's a swoosh on it. People pick up a swoosh. But you think this would be something where there should be some type of regulation? I mean, like it shows you how arbitrary the price setting is. For when they asked him about this, they just uh, said, "Well, oh, we just wanted to make it there." Yeah, their there's, there's spokes- their spokesman, Craig Rothenberg, he said that there's been no innovation in dealing with toxoplasmosis. That has been a long neglect in the patient community. And he basically went on to say that they're going to use the money to further research treatments for toxoplasmosis and invest in marketing and education to make people more aware. So we needed to increase the price by 500 times what it costs to slightly market it better and do research. So that means they should find new advancement 500 times faster. You know, it just really shows a, a big contentious thing in this country is socialism and how much socialism we want in anything. Whether people admit it or not, it's, we have social security. That has the word social in there right there, right? That's socialism, people didn't know. It's like a foundation bedrock of our country. People should acknowledge that and accept maybe we don't need pure socialism, but we do need some sort of quasi-socialism because when we take care of each other, we all do better. You know, you, you take care of the whole body. We talked
0: about this a lot, right? Rising tide raises all boats.
1: I hate that so much. I know. I hate that so much. I'll strangle you want to say that. I know. I know. So it seems very arbitrary. Hey, everybody.
0: Devin loves puns, so...
1: You ever meet him out in the street? I love pun. He loves Ayn Rand. Just, you know, start firing a fountain fountainhead and Atlas shrug at me and watch me give you he high five. He
0: trite little sayings like I just said. Rise like yes. Rising tide raises all boats.
1: But it's so arbitrary what they want to set it at that there's no oversight. If anywhere we need socialism, it should be in medicism. There should be no profit involved in keeping somebody from dying. You know what I mean? It's like, you need a salary. I understand that. You should make a good living for what you're doing. The... the Center needs to be taken care of. And the
0: salary should be as such that people aspire to greatness in that field. Yeah, of course. It should should be proportional. Yeah,
1: I'm not saying go to Harvard and become like a neuroscientist. And make $70,000. So so you can make the same as a janitor and be treated like a peon. Right. Like You deserve respect. You deserve a, a salary that reflects your level of dedication and skill. But should you be able to extort people through insurance companies and this crazy medical system to become a multimillionaire all the while profiting off other people's misery, seems like that's an area where we should be like, you know what, let's set things in place here where there's a cap on the profit. There's some type of oversight. We're making sure we're not taking advantage of the consumer on the pure basis of that It's economically viable.
0: So did you say that this Deraprim, right, was... Originally produced in 1953, but they still have exclusivity and a patent on this
1: product? This laboratory does. This, so lab- laboratory. this laboratory does, yeah. From
0: 1953?
1: From 1953. How, how, is that, how is that possible? I thought there was like a time where it well, expired. Well, it's, it's been on the market since 1953. Okay. Turing just purchased the rights to market it. Okay.
0: So they're the only ones that can market it? Is that the case? It's like exclusive? That's like,
1: they're, it's like Advil, right? Like right. Other people can make Advil, but not other people can make Advil and call it Advil. So See what I mean? There's
0: So there's still generic versions of this drug on the market somewhere else for cheaper. You don't
1: have to buy this one. You know, I haven't looked into it that much. This is like the main, main one. It's, gotcha. it's the main one to treat it. It's the most popular one. It's the second This is like a
0: go to. Like everybody was like, We need that. We we, we go to that truck.
1: Exactly. You know, I, like I said I this is one I, we just came across it today. It's a round robin. I haven't gotten to go beneath the surface. Now that you brought this up, I actually want to read into it. For sure. And learn some more about it because it is interesting. Well
0: I mean that's why we bring it up too, is for people to like think about things and go research it on their own. I mean this is just a start, we're giving you a taste. This company, this touring, is doing this with but that, this DeraPrim. It's seven hundred fifty dollars. It's ridiculous.
1: What makes it crazy is that you know they didn't even make it. It made sense before. I mean, I've learned a little bit about pharmaceuticals. They license
0: it, basically.
1: It, it, the laboratories that make it, when you think about it, there's a ton of costs that go into making, producing, marketing, and selling Research and development. a high-level pharmaceutical drug. I'm talking billions like you're talking three to ten years of human clinical studies and yeah, trials, I've seen those lab places, works man.
0: Well, we live where we live. I mean, we live we live like by biotechs in those places. Yeah, and look at those. places. it's a, it's and a money good. it's a
1: it's a money pit. So it's like when this company invested Merca- five hundred million dollars to do this, and, and they, it worked, and they made something great. They totally deserve to profit off it. But should another company be able to be like, hey, we're going to buy what you did, and then like in, increase the profit? Margin by five thousand percent.
0: The system set up. The system is set up in a way that they they do get compensated for the research and development because there is. They do hold a patent for a certain amount of time before the drug is released on a generic market. So they are the only ones who can reap the benefits. For certain drugs that they develop for a certain amount of time, so at a, and, and they can charge whatever they want yeah. at that for that fixed course, yeah, that fixed period of time, and then it's released to the market, and then it becomes watered down. And now it becomes everybody. That is a good system to me. Now I think I don't know what it's set at. Like if there's a if there's a cap for that set amount of time that they can, they you know reap uh, profits, true true high profits off of it. Um, I would like, I, I would hope that that would be just for the sake of mankind, but. Um, you know, that's how it's set up. So if this is going on, and and maybe maybe the, the lab is the only one that produces this drug, and now they have this license on it, and so that's it's a sole supplier type of uh you know situation, and um they just they can just rule the market because they control the supply.
1: Yeah, the disconnects in how they sell the rights because it's like if it was socialized, you'd know totally what the government spent to produce it, to research it, to fund it and now what it costs to make it. So now you could set the price at what it would cost to make all that money back based on common usage and turn a good profit. You could calculate that. What do they do now? The laboratory who made it can just be like, guess what? We're gonna sell it to some company who can do whatever they want with it because what's important is we make our money back at whatever rate we see fit and then they can do whatever they want with it because they bought the right to manipulate the market essentially, Mm -hmm. you know? And there's a lot of gray areas in there because you're not supposed to have any true monopolies but we know there's a lot of oligarchies going on, and the pharmaceutical space is definitely one of those spaces. You know, there's a few, huge, huge players produce most of the drugs, market most of the drugs, make most of the profit. So you've got to get in good with those guys if you really want to be in the game.
0: Yep, without question. No doubt. Well, moving right along, Well, uh, um, this week Oklahoma uh, courts granted an 11th hour stay of uh, Richard Glossop, uh, a two-week stay of execution was granted to Richard Gosselb, who was sentenced to death for orchestrating a 1997 murder of his boss. He's claimed innocence um, pretty much ever since. Uh, there was like a lot of confusion, uh, you know, about testimony and, you know, where people were, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I read a little about that. It's a weird story. It is. It's a weird story. It's a weird story. And people people should look it up. And I'm looking at it right now in uh, the Oklahoman uh, is the is the name of the, the, uh, publication. the article. Um, yeah, I mean the name of the publication exactly. And um, basically what I wanted to really talk about, touch on here, was um, the death penalty in general. Uh, you know, Oklahoma... Um, was the first uh, jurisdiction in the world to adopt lethal injection as a method of execution. Um, December 16, 2010, the first American state uh, to use penobarbital, uh, execution of John David Duty. In 2014, Oklahoma placed scheduled executions on hold until the State Department in- implemented uh, 11 um, proposed improvements in protocols governing capital punishment. The review of the lethal injection administration process resulted in a protracted 33-minute execution of Clayton Darrell Lockett, which a doctor and paramedic failed nearly a dozen times to administer an IV with lethal drugs. So the guy laid on the table and died for 33 minutes, Um, and that's why they postponed from 2014 until January 15, 2015, death by lethal lethal injection in Oklahoma. And they have... uh, Two death row inmates who uh, were, late, were found innocent and later released um, in, in Oklahoma as well. So they pretty much cruel and unusually killed somebody for 33 minutes. Couldn't get an IV and kill this man. Um, this guy got a state of execution for the, their defense to present new uh, evidence in the next two weeks uh, to prop- possibly exonerate him. Two people were already exonerated in that state.
1: Should Oklahoma stop killing people? Should the whole country stop killing people? It's an interesting question. I mean, I know the Innocence Project, which looks at death row cases where they try to exonerate people, they found over a hundred cases dating back 30, 40 years, innocent people who've been executed. I mean, the theory behind it is supposed to be that you know one person can walk free. A guilty person can walk free. You know, if that's what it takes, because we don't want to make that innocent person be guilty. But because of that, we're in the situation now where we have an eye for an eye type mentality, especially when it comes to capital punishment. But if you're wrong 1% of the time, does that make it right 99% of the time? It's a very interesting dilemma.
0: Yeah, and my thing is, is that, you know, do, does another person have the right to take the life of another? And I say no. Well, I don't care what that person does, and because in the end, the the, the death of the of the person who ever committed the crime is not retribution.
1: It's, not, well, it's you're not, not you're not bringing them back. You're taking away. You're you're, do- you're doling out what you see fit as the same punishment, right? Right. Like whatever whatever you did, you should have done. To look, you. look, I know that there is
0: horrific acts out there, and people are monsters for sure. But at the same time you know, you also have these, these, these things that happen here where somebody, you know,
1: you know, riles to death on the table, um, or lethal injections, joke, lethal injections, joke. It was basically the state, the government's, let's say attempt to make execution a medical procedure, right. Which is a joke. It's, you're not getting a facelift or a tummy tuck or, you know, getting a, 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 biopsy you're being murdered but we tried to make it this you know it's a medical procedure you just have an IV and there's doctors and I mean you're basically making doctors violate the Hippocratic Oath.
0: Well some states are also saying that now they're going to bring back like firing squad.
1: If you're going to do executions and I'm not saying I'm pro-execution but if you're going to do executions I don't see anything wrong with that. Give people the truth. The idea that like this is how people die in this neat fixed setting where they go to sleep it's a, a joke, it's an illusion, it's basically like pulling the shadow, of the wall over people's eyes so they don't see what's going on beneath the surface. When those lethal injections go wrong, that's when people see the truth. Right, you know. still death. And, and, and that's the thing, they just get a, get a glimpse into the abyss yeah. and that shocks them deeply, that that's really what's happening. But when we convince ourselves that it's this, you know, very saline process, everything's so sanitized and clean and neat and procedural, you right. don't have to feel as bad about and it. And peaceful and smooth. It's like you know, it's like
0: sleeping. He's sleeping, He's asleep. And he's gonna go asleep, and it's just he stops beating, and all of a sudden he drifts off, and there he there
1: Like if you really wanted to punish him, why would you be trying to make it as painless as possible? That doesn't even make sense to me. Our goal is to punish you, but we don't want you to experience any pain. We just want to murder you. I don't get it. <laughs> like like we're like quantifying one thing as being moral murder, it's okay to murder you. This is morally okay. It's not okay to cause you pain while we murder you. Right. My mind just cannot make sense of these ideas. It's very, very, like I said, because you've got that dilemma of innocent people are getting murdered. Probably not, probably not even a small minority. Like I said, it's probably like 1%. Which but, is a significant amount of... But, but, but if that one innocent person was your brother, your mother, your right. your son, if, you, then you'd be like... And of course, it's very anecdotal. When it's you or anyone you know, you're like, yes, I'm on that side. But when you don't know anyone and it's not you, it's so easy right. to be like, yeah... Murder those monsters. Yeah, but th- there's a hundred people. In the meantime, we've put to death thousand monsters. Yeah, you know, in my opinion, there's a lot of people who've committed crimes not as bad as murder, who we should put to death serial rapists, child molesters. There's some people there's no coming back from. That's just my opinion. And then there's other people who have committed murder who might have spent 20 years in prison being sorry for what they did, working to get GEDs, helping people out, living like the most moral, positive life afterward. And we're like, yep, but we're still putting you to death because that's what we decided on 20 years ago, even though it in no way reflects your growth and evolution as an individual and a person. So it just shows you how the punishment is so arbitrary At times, based on the person, the context, the circumstances, and our view as a society on murder, right? Like that's supposed to be the ultimate crime, and it really is. So, what is a fair punishment? And also, the criminal justice should we pay pay millions of dollars to take care of a murderer as opposed to killing them? That's the dilemma too. We're we're all paying to take care of this person essentially. Yeah, I mean, take care of them, give them a shit life as punishment for the next fifty years.
0: Well, that's right? what I was gonna say. Is that also the criminal justice architecture is so rigid that you were like you touched on is that twenty years might not reflect what somebody did, you know, in the past. And I know that a lot of these guys are very cunning as well. And I know that that's why they're set up in the way that they are because you know a lot of a lot of criminals are freaking geniuses in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, and then a lot of them are not. But at the same time, um, you know. So, but we're very rigid in like the way that it's that it's approached. You know, there's no real parole. There's no real bending of, of anything. Like this is the track that we set you on, and this is the way that it's going to go. And there's nothing that you can really actually control from this point forward to change that. Well, you it cannot
1: change your trajectory. Well, lo- logically, it makes a sense though, because the whole reason they do that is as a detriment. If you if, well, you if you kill somebody, you better be ready to accept that no matter the circumstances or context, think, you could be put to death. Well, and because that's in like the cultural mindset, people know. Here's the question: that that's a very very dangerous. Is it a deterrent?
0: I don't think so. I
1: it's think not so. Not a deterrent. I think so. You
0: don't. You think people don't kill people because they
1: don't want the death penalty? The murder rate has gone down every year for so you the you last think the death forty years. Working? Not anymore per se, but I think in some ways it did for some time because. What are most murders nowadays? They're gang violence and they're crimes of passion. They really are. Those are the, the vast majorities of murders. You've seen a huge... <laughs> but don't you think they were always that way?
0: No? I mean, it, like, crimes of passion like lace like stories of history.
1: I think so too, but I think th- the fact that there were so many more, you see that people are slowly over time getting a little more rationally aware of the situation where before it would be like a normal thing, you know, this guy like... Slap my girlfriend's ass. I'm going to walk over there with a gun. You know, that still happens, but it's less likely to happen now, I think. Uh People are a little bit more aware of how things escalate and what that could ultimately lead to, and then what the consequences are. So, how they react, I think gradually over time, it has gotten a little better. Is it really serving any point anymore? I'm not sure, but if you just got rid of the death penalty, would that be a great idea? Would, you know, just get rid of it outright? There's no circumstances should you ever do it, even if it's a Ted Bundy type? A John Wayne Gacy type?
0: Well see, which, that's, that's that's the question. Do it, we still have the authority to kill somebody like that? Does it's like one hundred, human being have the authority to kill another human being. It's a hundred because thousand dollars. Thousand dollars a year, year, you said, the, the 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 framework of government and 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 law and is all man-made. It's 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 a figment of our imagination. So if made we all if we all decide it's okay, then it is okay. Okay. Right, but so that but right now the debate is whether it is or isn't. And so
1: I guess we're just going to have to leave that one on 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 un- unclose. Un- un- when you get sentenced to death, you don't get sentenced to death. You get sentenced to 10 to 20 years on death row before you might get put to death based on a series of appeals. Every year you're on death row, over a million dollars is spent taking care of you on average. Average prisoner cost we talked about before, it's like 100 150 grand a year. Death row it's 10 times that. It's like 1 to 1.5 million a year per prison or per death row. Average length of stay on death row is over 10 years. So every person who's convicted of murder and put to death, we're investing at least $15 million to keep you alive before we kill you. Think about that for a second. I mean we're talking about thousands of people every year given this sentence, and we know it's going to cost $10, $15 million.
0: Is there 30 – I mean, you said thousands. Is it 1,000 capital punishment cases a year, you think? Uh, Probably a couple hundred, you know, yeah.
1: I'm thinking. I don't, I don't know the statistics. I mean, if somebody wants to put them up on our... Uh let's find out right now. You know, right now, Matt, let's, let's find out. Right why, now. Why don't you segue us into the next topic, and I'm just going to pull up the stat real quick. Nice. Sounds good. Well, so what we're
0: going to do now, we are going to switch over to a... The Navy. Talk about the Navy real quick. So, something struck me very interesting during the Republican debate uh, this week, which I watched its entirety with the Reagan Presidential Library in Simi Valley, California. I was actually right next to uh, Simi Valley, California in Oxnard while I was watching this debate. And uh, I kept hearing, we're going to make the American military... So big and so great that no one would dare try to mess with us. Don't tread on me. So then I ran across this article right here Is the US Navy too small? Size matters. CNN. For decades, the United States Navy has had the world's largest and most advanced naval fleet, positioning ships and aircraft carriers in strategic locations across the globe to protect national interests and facilitate free trade. But as rival nations such as China and Russia expand their own naval capabilities and with China's increasingly aggressive posture in the South China Sea, GOP presidential candidates are warning voters that America's dominance of the world's oceans could end unless. Lawmakers add significantly more ships to its arsenal and bring the fleet size closer to historic levels. So we did a little bit of research, just some quick and dirty, and we found that the US budget on defense is seven hundred and eleven billion dollars. And the next thirteen countries combined. It's larger than is six hundred and ninety-five billion dollars. <laughs> So, that brings me to the question, why,
1: why, why, why do we need more Navy ships? I mean, it depends who you're asking from. Are you asking from the politician's perspective, the shipbuilder's perspective, the American people's perspective? There's a different answer for everyone for that question. It's like, military strength in this country is very interesting, because like you pointed out... It's $700 billion. It's 20% of our federal spending. It's just this astronomical huge thing that just keeps growing in size and it's never going to ever seemingly slow down or stop. So in that regard, we don't really need any of it, but there's that perceptive idea of we need to be number one military force in the world. We need to be team America. Mm-hmm. And the only way to beat Team America is if you keep building more bombs, bigger ships, faster planes. If not, you give everyone else a chance to catch up, right? right? When you're when you're when you're winning the race, you don't slow down; you run faster. Well, here's what here's what uh, here's what Scott
0: Walker said in April. Um, he said that uh, we're headed down to two hundred and fifty ships, and that's less than half
1: of uh, where we were under Reagan. What do you mean ships? Like all ships, like destroyers, ships, yeah, submarines, ships. Ships, I guess. Okay. vessels, Yeah, and so.
0: It says the U.S. Naval Force is currently made up of 273 ships, which was the smallest number since the fleet stood at 245 in 1916. And when it, uh, under George W. Bush, it was 281 active ships. But here's the kicker. The modern Navy includes 10 aircraft carriers, more than the Western world combined, 90 surface warfare vessels, and 72 submarines. Dakota Wood, a former U.S. Marine and senior research fellow at Defense Programs at Heritage Foundation, says it resonates with people, but it doesn't go into details. And what he says is, our modern ships are... Hell of a lot more capable than they were a hundred years ago. We don't need the same amount of ships. Technology go Number changed. for
1: number, yeah. it just doesn't add up. We're not doing these naval blockades in World War II where you put fifty destroyers outside the Red Sea to make sure nothing gets into Russia. Well, the, the
0: the the reach out and touch me capabilities of all of our weapon systems are much more precise, much much more longer, and uh, so we're not just shooting big dummy rounds anymore. We don't need we we don't need as many.
1: We we're shooting tomahawk missiles. Also, missiles. Also,
0: we're not lobbing freaking big piles of lead. Freaking just,
1: you know. We're, we're not. Area. We're not getting in naval engagements either. Like where we're going, with, you know, a fleet of our ships versus a fleet of Chinese ships. We don't get in these battles anymore. Mo- modern warfare has changed everything. You know, in World War II, the naval warfare was a huge part of that war. If there's ever another World War, I mean, heaven forbid. Naval warfare will be very, very minimal. There's no point getting in these open skirmishes in the middle of the ocean anymore when everybody's got ICBMs that could sink destroyers and aircraft carriers anyways. Mm-hmm. It's almost redundant. It's like a presence to have in other more situational wars. Like when we're helping in Iraq or Afghanistan, we station all our aircraft carriers off the coast so they can do bombing mm-hmm. runs there. We're not going to war with you know Germany or, or Russia or China and parking our aircraft carriers over there. They'd get sunk in a minute.
0: Right. Exactly. And the other thing is, is that isn't it always this way? Doesn't, doesn't always like businesses want to take more like the Navy, right? The Navy's like, we need 30 more ships. And isn't it up to like Congress and the, and the, and the governance of, of that to be like, no, like you're not getting 30 more ships. Like, we're not going to go, you know, we're going to, based on our intelligence, we don't need to go 350 ships is what, like, Bobby Jindal and freaking Kasich, and, like, they want to rebuild and reinvigorate the Navy. 350 ships. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, we spent a ton, a ton, a ton of money, 20% of the federal budget on defense in 2011, and it's escalated from $287 billion to $537 billion and it doubled, basically, uh, the base budget since uh, 2001. I mean, my goodness, man. So you're saying that in order for us to be safe, we need to spend $711 billion in 2015.
1: But in, 2000, in the year 2000, we were safe on $300 It's not about being safe. I mean, it's funny you said that the neighbor's asking for that because I've actually read articles where the military, they go before Congress and they tell them, we don't need anything. We, we don't. We're good. We don't need these bases. We don't need these guns. And Congress gives it to them anyways, because here's the thing. For those senators, especially for the Congress, Congress plays a big role in that. Those congressmen, it's a huge jobs program. Well, you got Lockhead Martin, their factories in your district. They employ 8,000 people. You know We're not building the next new F-15 carrier plane. We've got to order for $120 billion over the next three years. That might put 10,000 people in your district out of business. You get blamed for it. You lose your job. That simple. It's that simple. So what's your goal? Your goal as a politician, first and foremost, above anything else, what's your goal?
0: Create jobs.
1: Nope. Your, talk about. What's your real goal? Get reelected. Hell yeah. That's, if, if you can't get reelected, how can you do anything you want to do? How can I help you if I'm out of a job? True. I need to stay in my job so I can help you. Right. Well, in the process of staying in my job... I basically sacrifice everything that's moral and ethical in myself. And that's the situation we found ourselves in. These politicians are so concerned with getting reelected, the backlash that's going to happen if you know the shipbuilding plant or the weapons facility, if that gets shut down and they lose five, ten thousand 10000 jobs in their district, in their, their city, they lose their job, they get blamed for it by the people, somebody else gets elected, and the same thing might happen anyways. Those jobs, they might, you might not even lose the making of that weapon. It might just get shifted to a different district. So, all that happened is you lost your job. Right. So, it's so easy for the politician to justify that to themselves. Well, you know? I mean, but you do have people that are fighting, you know, also. Um
0: you know, against against this and saying, you know, we're gonna have to be more responsible with our money, you know, maybe you know, maybe even the fourteen billion dollar aircraft carrier isn't viable anymore. Maybe we should just use our, our allies' sovereign territory to stage out of there and, and do those things. Yeah, maybe so, maybe
1: making a hundred billion dollars worth of APCs or planes that are obsolete by the time they're finished being created, maybe we stop handing out those contracts in the future.
0: Yeah right well the good thing is is that it says that in 2011's bipartisan budget negotiation will, will limit next year's military budget to 499 billion dollars so we are going back down a little bit but that seems a little bit I mean that that's that's closer to that 287 billion that was before the uh, 2001 911 so that, that's a good sign. You know, maybe people are getting a little bit more rational with the spending and starting to talk a little bit more about that. But I don't think that we need enough to go up 350 ships and freaking, you know, I mean, my goodness. I mean, maybe I'm naive. War, please, maybe bro. Maybe I'm naive, man. War, but it please. seems to me like Chinese, that China needs us, and we need China in this world. And uh, so that whole war thing doesn't, Make a lot of sense to me. This doesn't. I don't know. What do you think about that? Don't you think? I mean, we're spheres of economy, right?
1: That's what we that's what we live in. That's what rules the world today. Behind the scenes, the powers that be are smiling and laughing and shaking hands because everybody gets to justify their increases in spending based on the other country. Right. China's doing this, so we're doing it. Chinese and the American ambassador behind the scenes, they're shaking hands, laughing, going, yep, we leaked just the right stuff. Now we got our approval ratings up. Now we got justification to build this new ship. They're all happy. Trust me. That's why there's never any conflict, but there's always increases in spending. Oh. Crazy. Crazy. Moving on to some more fun stuff. Uh, you know, I kind of got a few things here, but uh, not the funnest, even though that's not a real word, not topics of fun. conversation. The most fun, the funniest. Uh, we need funner. Funner. Funner will work. These topics, you know, I really don't even want to talk about them, i got to be honest. I'm kind of just like depressed from those first topics we discussed. <laughs> that. Super depressed. You kind of just, not your fault. I did it to myself too, but I'm like harpooned with depression. Why don't you bring up one or two of these more amusing topics we had and we'll have kind of a more lackadaisical discussion to close things out. Because I don't want to go down this rabbit hole I'm going down from looking at my last topics. I'm closing the windows. They, they're just depressing me looking at them.
0: There we go. There we go. we live in sunshine and in paradise. So uh, you know, that's not what we're used to is doom and gloom every day. You know. No, you know,
1: out. like like doom and gloom is an intellectual exercise for us, Matt. We're some of the most fortunate people on the planet. And I try to remind myself every day. So uh you know, we're lucky we get to do this as an intellectual exercise cuz for a lot of people this is a reality.
0: Right. For sure. And uh, so we're going to talk about diplomatic immunity for a second. It's not every die hard to style. I have diplomatic immunity. It is not. It is not every freaking week that you hear a story that involves a Ferrari, a Porsche, Beverly Hills, diplomatic immunity. Die hard too. I mean, well, I, I think they were German there though, right? They were, I think so. Yeah. So I'm sure you guys, everybody's heard of the story, right? So this case is reckless driving last weekend, Beverly Hills, a 1.4 million dollar Ferrari LaFerrari, driven by a sheikh uh, from the Middle East. Uh, on September 12th, they were flying through the neighborhoods in his LaFerrari and his GT3 uh, 911, and uh, blowing stop signs and. Apparently they were videotaped, so there's a videotape of this out there, and you can see it, and it's all ripping it up, and the Ferrari starts to smoke. So, good job, buddy, you just ruined your tr- your car racing down the street. Hey, I'm sure
1: he can afford it. Fritz.
0: Well, he had a $10 million rental home. There you go. And uh, so he, the cop, when the cops came there, uh, they were already out of the car, these guys, and. They got One guy claimed that he couldn't be arrested because of diplomatic immunity, and then apparently he threatened one of these reporters who was uh, videotaping this thing going down. And I just find the whole thing just hilarious. I mean, it's just... (laughs) It was Khalid bin Hamad Al Thani, a member of the Qatar royal family in the order of a drag race team, and uh, he does not, in fact, have diplomatic immunity, but he cleaned out his house and he left. And the cars are gone there's nothing in the house anymore, and he, he dipped out to Qatar. Bounced. Bounced. don't oh, like that. The Sheiks of Sunset doing some drag racing. Doing some drag racing. You know what they should have done? They should have called up Justin Bieber, because I heard he's really good at the street <laughs> racing, too. And uh, he could have got in on that.
1: Oh, um, that that's like pre, pre-Comedy Central roast Justin. He's on an image. He is, you know?
0: In. He's coming back. He's got yeah. him and Skrillex and Diplo, right? Making that song. Diplo, they, they called him an aficionado. Right? That's what he called him. No, a virtuoso. That's what Skrillex called him. So, that's because the only reason Skrillex actually called him a virtuoso is because Justin actually can play the piano and Skrillex just pushes
1: buttons. Is that true? <laughs> 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 I mean, uh, good for good for Justin. I mean, turning around. J- Justin came over to the EDM side, so. Uh, I was crying on stage. Like, I came back, man. Right.
0: I was egging people's houses and I was racing my Lambo. But you know, I'm giving all that up at 21. Tough life. God dang.
1: Tough life. Yeah, no kidding. So yeah, that was a weird story. is you know, an interesting story. I mean, like, Qatar honestly, Qatar Internationals, drag yeah, racing million movie. dollar, drag racing million dollar cars in Beverly Hills, and then like the house is gone. It's like deserted. Like they boom, were, like, I'm out of here. Yeah, it's like we just someone to deal with this, man. Fire up the jet. Load, 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 load <laughs> the Ferraris up on the jet. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> crazy you guys like too much money almost right it's it's something
0: kind of like though but what cop is like oh okay like you just saw the video this is this beverly hills bro like he's like okay hey how you're treated well i guess it's how better... you
1: how you're treated as a multimillionaire in beverly hills is different how you're going to be treated as a broke kid well, yeah well you know a broke minority in some like urban slum how you're treated is very very differently what what if he did What if
0: he did have diplomatic immunity? And and I don't think that's how it works, though. Couldn't he, like, take him into custody and then find out if he really had it?
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like we got all these instances of, like, minorities being beaten and assaulted by cops. If the minority was just like, I have diplomatic immunity. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) If Eric Gardner, they're trying to arrest him for selling lucys and Eric Gardner's like, don't touch me. I have diplomatic immunity. You're going to go to jail. Do all the cops just go, whoa, whoa, whoa. We better check this out. He might have diplomatic immunity. Well, he wasn't driving a Ferrari. That's what I'm saying. It's like the corner of Queens. We see this. Oh, we know he's like you know some poor black dude. We we can do whatever we want here. Oh, some Qatari International was worth 100 mil. Probably don't want to get on this guy's bad side. Let's just let's just take it easy here. Yeah, apparently
0: he had like a death threat uh, to um, one of the um, the 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 reporter. and, uh, which is another interesting thing. I guess he said he could have him killed or something like that, which, yikes. Yikes is right. Right? No kidding.
1: So, weird story there. I Just uh, something fun to bring to your attention. Look out for, you know, sheiks racing Ferraris in your neighborhood. Watch out for the
0: LaFerrari. Pro-
1: probably not happening in most of our neighborhoods. Probably not. Soon. Probably not. Well,
0: maybe in your neighborhood, Devin.
1: I see, I see. Yeah a supercar. I used to work in uh, La Jolla, downtown La Jolla, and I'd drive by uh, symbolic motorsports there, and they'd have like a Bugatti Veyron and you know Lamborghini Gallardo and all these amazing cars. So every day for a few years I'd drive by work, and yeah, I'd see like nothing but supercars. Nobody would ever, there'd be like one or two people you'd see driving them though most of the time. It's like nobody can afford them, even in the La Jolla. Yeah, you sit there. <laughs>
0: Well, apparently, I mean, it's like thousands of dollars a year just in maintenance loan on a Lambo. So, you know, that's it a turnoff right there. That's why I don't have one. That's
1: part of being super rich. Everything you own, it's got a 10% like upkeep value. you got a $100 million yacht. It costs $10 million a year to keep that yacht in, in tip-top shape, run the crew, scrub it, boat fees, gas, all this stuff. So expensive things cost a lot of money to upkeep. For sure. More money, more problems. For sure. You had one other story, Matt, that I thought was... Uh, Pretty amusing. Why don't you uh you bring that one up and we'll, we'll close it out on that note. Um. So the uh, you wanna go helicopter? or You wanna go the other one?
0: Which one? I thought you had one more on there. Well, I was talking about the security guys. You know, in Arizona. Yeah. A little bit. But that goes into a little bit of the dark side. So yeah, i really getting We're going to the mind. light.
1: Go run, run to the light, Matt. Okay, we're so run this, the light. One,
0: this one does involve shooting, and it's a, it's a police shooting. And it's, <laughs> a, it, somebody
1: somebody died involving a police shooting,
0: but we're running to the light. But we're running to the light. So that just <laughs> gives
1: you a, a, uh, a, a sense of
0: what it's like living in
1: America. But this is just, we're going to take the the comical aspect of this story, even though the overall story might not be that comical. It
0: is, it is. So it's something really out of Grand Theft Auto when I read it, actually. I think I turned to Devin and was like, man, this thing is like Grand Theft Auto. So, deputies in Southern California shot a high-speed pursuit suspect from a helicopter on Friday after he drove the wrong way on a freeway at speeds of 100 miles an hour. (laughs) So this is on BuzzFeed. And it says here that um, they, they shot he – was, he was going northbound on the, on the 215. Um, he was heading south on the northbound, excuse me, <laughs> um, uh, through the cities of Fontana and San Bernardino. And they shot from a helicopter and, and hit it. And now they wouldn't say if – you know he jumped out and ran, and then the car hit another car. And so the cops wouldn't say if they actually fired on the vehicle – or just the guy after he got out, but there was bullet holes in the hood of the the, the truck. Um, so my question is: is that this is? I mean, I'm kind of outlandish, this is right? Crazy. I mean, it's crazy. It's I not mean, a movie. It, it, something it, seriously. I and I don't know how I feel about cops shooting out of helicopters.
1: You know, it's like that's the, the weird thing about the context. If there was a car coming at you at 105 miles an hour on the wrong way on the freeway, What's more
0: dangerous. It's the like, or, or the, hey, or the hey,
1: let's light this guy up before you know he goes head-on with a minivan full of kids, yep. I can totally understand that, but it comes a question, like, yeah, if he crashed the car and he's taken off on foot... Did we just unleash like a hundred rounds on him trying to hit him in the midst of a bunch of bystanders and other cars? Which probably not.
0: I mean, I would yeah, think they cleared this thing out, right? They cleared this thing out at some, you know, to some extent. Yeah, but you think, but they they have, rolled...
1: you think they would use spike strips or something else before they'd be going with the let's shoot him from a helicopter Yeah,
0: no theory, kidding, right? right? Like, let's go ahead and, yeah, throw Sp- out Spike out
1: the... strips are what you'd always use. Let's throw out the in a, in, in a standard high-speed chase situation, it's like you know where the guy's going on what freeway – you have cops drive 20, 30 miles ahead, and they get ready to pull up the spike strips when he's radioed and is coming close. I mean, that seems like that'd be more practical than shooting him from a helicopter like, you know, you're a T-1000 in Terminator 2.
0: Right, and I don't know what standard procedure is on a high-speed chase, and I surely don't know which one is,
1: like, going. like Hey, I know shooting him from a helicopter is not standard procedure. You don't procedure. think that's the go-to? How many times you see the story in the pull news? Call the bird up. <laughs> that's some high class shooting whichever cop did this i mean i gotta commend him and say wow shooting somebody from a helicopter is just god that's ridiculous in terms of difficulty i mean maybe he was hovering closer to the ground because uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> that just seems like an impossible shot to make right yeah like 200 feet in the air moving a helicopter moving targets like how's that even possible that's just that's some american sniper type shit yeah
0: i mean it's just it, it is it's just an incredible story right so i just had to bring it up i mean shooting somebody from a helicopter high speed chase going one way on the on the, the wrong way on the interstate
1: um i'd love to see the video of it just just for the chase i mean i want to be like whoa God. this guy's doing 100 miles an hour against traffic against traffic so think about that if somebody else is coming out the other way at 80 right so you have 180 freaking mile an hour collision oh my think goodness. how dangerous it is when you're like doing 80 and you just see everybody break up front. You got to go from like 80 to a dead stop. Yeah, woo. (laughs) Now it's 85 at you, that is just
0: crazy. Yeah, insane. So, anyway, I think that we touched on a lot of, like, you know, kind of here and there, and, and our round robin was a It was really a good. weird
1: week, Matt. It was it, a weird week in the news. I you mean, know, there was
0: a lot of things. I mean, there was Islamophobia. There, there was, was a Republican there debate. Was a there Republican was the kid debate. building the clock. You know, There's a lot of things going on. But, honestly, like, some of that stuff is just so, you know, you're like, oh, man, again?
1: Like, hey, every week, people are afraid of brown people. I get it. Every week you could do a story on Islamophobia, whether or not it's a real thing. You could do a story on gun violence. You could do a story on
0: Oh, how about the Jay Walker?
1: Yeah yeah. Uh, police, by the police Brutality, you could do a story on Police Brutality. You could do a story on the Republican presidential race. Like these are like It's not really a race anymore. Right? A race to the bottom.
0: I mean, well, I mean there's like a there's like Usain Bolt out front, right? You got Trump.
1: Hey, I mean honestly anything could happen. Anything could happen. It really is crazy. It could it could be Trump. Trump. It, could, it could what if it was like somebody oh. like what if it was like somebody like Dr. Ben Carson? A scientist, a doc, a doctor, who believes the Earth is six thousand years old, or whatever. Like, I mean, it is. Yeah, but he's a doctor. <laughs> he he said as one of his qualifications that I've separated Siamese twins. Steady hand. Hey, that's a qualification for being a politician, apparently. Steady hand. I'm not saying that you're not super smart, and that's an incredibly difficult skill. Monica Lewinsky said Clinton had a steady hand. But like, what's that to do with giving a speech or balancing a budget? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he smoked a mean cigar, yeah, I heard. Yeah, he had
0: the best cigars in the world.
1: Run to the light, Matt. Run to the light. So, Thanks no, again but for joining can play the fucking oh.
0: saxophone.
1: Before we get too <laughs> dark, let's just run to the light, Matt. I don't I don't, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. All right, <laughs> all right. Do all the right, wind right. down. Play the wrap wind down up. music. Wrap it up. Play the wind down music, brother. Cue it. Thanks again for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Matt. Always fun to bounce some ideas off you. Hopefully, we'll have something in the next couple weeks where we can touch on a new topic. Uh, you know, something that's really, really interesting. Something fresh. Something fresh. You know, I definitely would hate to come back to any of the topics of, you know, terrorism, death, police, police brutality, prisons, corruption. I mean, those are just the easiest stories. So let's work hard to come back with something fresh next week. You have a wonderful rest of your weekend, my friend. Thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Peace and love. Be the light, people. Later.